everyone. I'm Sherlane Quayle, and this is The Power Lane, a weekly podcast created to inspire and empower people everywhere to move into and thrive within their unique power lane. Our guest today is a bundle of energy and kindness. She is a master of organizing large events, loves hiking and biking and being a mom, and is fueled by her unapologetic can-do attitude in everything she takes on. I'm thrilled to learn more about her and excited for what we'll learn about ourselves from her power lean journey. Please welcome Michelle Graves. Hi, Michelle. Hi. So happy to be with you. So happy to have you here. Oh, we're going to have such a fun time. Thank you. I've been looking forward to this for a while, so I'm glad we finally got together. I love it. Thank you for that nice intro. Oh, you're very welcome. I love the the can-do unapologetic attitude. Like that is one of the first things that struck me about you was just how you don't see barriers, you see opportunities. And when there are challenges, it seems like you are just, I don't know, they don't, they don't slow you down necessarily. And I love that. So I'm excited to kind of see how that came about in your life. And if that resonates with you, as it seems to be something that I've observed as I get to work and play with you. Well, thank you for saying that in that way, because I've always had a very outspoken personality. So (laughs) you've turned it very nice. And I appreciate (laughs) that. And I will say that I feel that tenacity with things that I'm passionate about. So thank you for seeing my passion, because I feel like that's where it comes out in a positive way. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, well, let's get into that. Okay. <laughs> let's, uh, let's start with where you grew up. You know, what was your childhood like and your sense of power if you were, even if you were unconscious of it as a child? Yeah, that's, a, that's an interesting thing to contemplate. Um, I was um, born in Pennsylvania, raised in Baltimore, Maryland. So just an East Coast girl <laughs> and uh, landed in Utah. It's, yeah, it's funny and, and wonderful. Um, I am the oldest of five children. So I think by the nature of the order of my family, I was um, maybe that's where some of it comes from. But I'm five years older than my next sibling. And then there's 12 of us. So my siblings all say, you were the other mom, uh-huh. you know, so I kind of <clears throat> took on that role a little bit and still care for my siblings, maybe in a more matriarchal way than <laughs> as well, that, a true sibling. <laughs> it just kind of comes naturally after, like when you're in that environment. Yeah. And plus, I think it does come naturally from you anyway. I and mean, that's definitely something I've observed a little bit too, is that And maybe that's the passion part. When you really care about something, you don't just show up. You show up with kind of your whole self. And it's like, here I am in, you know, for good or bad or whatever, here I am and we're going to make this happen and we're we're going to make it work together. And that nurturing piece is, that's a big part of it. Yeah, I always want to fix things and make things better for people. I feel like I definitely got that attribute from my mom. Like I kind of joke that now that I'm adult, an adult and she doesn't know how to fix things, <laughs> she'll just like be like, do you need a couch or what can I get for you? To, you know? <laughs> just something. I'm, gonna, I I'm going to materialize this. something I need to fix. I know. Oh, I, I know. love that. But, you know, I think kind of that, um, that kind of care um, 
is important to me to do the things that I care about and care for the people that I do them for. And so thank you for seeing that. Um, I, I was blessed with that. I felt like I was blessed um, to be a part of a, a large um, Italian family and, yeah. um, and then supported by a community um, of love. And so I realize as I get older, what a blessing it is to have that advantage. Totally. So large Italian family growing up on the East Coast. What were, what were weekends like for your family? Well, it, it was a great place to live and grow up. We lived kind of on the outskirts of town. So we had acreage. So we grew oh. up with ATVs and big gardens and kind of played in the country. But we were 30 minutes from the city okay. and right under an hour from D.C. and just around the corner from New York. So I feel like I kind of got like a little bit of my nature loving self just because I always wanted to play outdoors. Uh-huh. I didn't want to do housework chores. So my parents threw me on the tractor and had me weed the garden and stuff <laughs> because I love to be outdoors. But then I got the cultural upbringing that I love of just a love for the arts and um, plays and opera and mm-hmm. things like that side of it as well. Just living in a major metropolitan city that lends itself to a lot of um, opportunity, you know, yeah. having the Smithsonian's in your backyard that exactly. are free and accessible was a blessing. Yeah, that is so cool. I didn't realize, I didn't realize that you grew up on like that much land and had those opportunities that close to the, to the cities. And so that's a really fun and unique I mean, unique for us, like we don't have those opportunities here in Utah. You know, growing up in Utah, you either live in the city or the suburb or you're really, really rural. Yeah. There isn't this opportunity to feel rural, so but be so close to a city. Yeah. And so Maryland has this kind of tag phrase that they're America in miniature. Ah. And so it's interesting because you can live in horse country. Um, you know, the Hunt Cup is there, some mm-hmm. of the bigger yep. um, things that are very rural but be very proximate to the city. I also grew up with the beach, you know, two and a half hours away. So it's just this teeny little state that really kind of has everything. So you're selling me on it. It's unique that way. (laughs) It sounds amazing. There is humidity though, Charlene, and I really like the dry climate that Utah has to offer. I also really love the sense of wide open spaces in the West. It sounds like there might be a lot of areas. I've only, I've been to Baltimore, but that's the only part of Maryland I've ever really visited. So I'm not familiar with the rural aspect of it and it sounds sounds like spectacular yeah and it if when I go back there now it feels like um very closed in because of the density Mm -hmm. of the trees and things like that because I'm used to being in a wide open space now and um so yeah just different but great great yeah say um there's things about my childhood I'm you know an avid Baltimore Orioles fan and things like that that are just like in, you know, I love nothing more than a Maryland blue crab, you know, but um, Utah for the last 18 years that I've lived here definitely has my heart. I went to college um, in Utah and so I feel like I really had a, became in love with the mountains Mm -hmm. and the outdoorsiness that Utah had to offer through those experiences. So equally happy to be here as well. Yeah. Isn't it cool to be able to have those different experiences and think about, like you got to bring all the stuff you loved with you Yeah, and then build on that Mm -hmm. here. And yeah. So 
thank you for sharing that. How do you, like when you were a kid, you know, spending time on the tractor and all those things, how do you think those experiences and, and knowing what you really were drawn to then shaped your decisions for college and what, what brought you, you know, out West to Utah to go to college and all those things? Like, how did that play out for you? My com my parents were converts to the, um, LDS church. And so, um, my mother, who had never been in Utah, just felt it was important to send her kids to BYU. Okay, so cool. I joke, and I really think <laughs> it's a joke. Like They might not have been serious, but I took it seriously that they said, you can go to BYU for free, or you can pay for anywhere you uh. want to go. And so I always say the smart ones in the family graduated from BYU because we didn't incur debt, which was totally. a plus. Yep. But um, you know, it probably wasn't that strict a line. But that's actually what that's actually what brought me there. But I feel like my East Coast upbringing was a blessing um, that um, because when I was a teenager. Um, there wasn't a question in my family, and I, I believe this comes with privilege, and I'd like to change it, but there wasn't, there wasn't a conversation about um, whether you were going to go to college. It was just where you were going to go to college. So truly, college was an extension of high school for mm -hmm. me. So it was never, and there was never an idea that I wouldn't go. Right. So, and I just think of what a blessing that was in my life, and um and how that kind of shaped me. But I also think looking back on my childhood, and I'm not really sure where this came from, except maybe just that kind of loving, nurturing um, upbringing. But I never, I never struggled with my self-worth. And I don't want that to sound, come across as brass no, or anything like that. But I always kind of just knew that I, and, and not that I had the confidence maybe to do it, but that I could do whatever I set my mind to it. And that yeah. choice was mine to go to college, to become what I wanted to become, to do what I want to do kind of without barriers. And again, what a blessing, right? Yeah. To, to be given that. I mean, I think later in my life, I've been kicked in the pants a few times, but <laughs> yes, how we all this right? kind of like, yeah, this kind of, um, I don't know, like just, it was never, you know, you can't do that. Mm -hmm. I never, I never really felt that way. And you didn't talk to yourself using those terms either. It oh, sounds no, like, you know, never. like it wasn't like, oh no, don't try that because you might not succeed. It was like, oh, you know, I'm just going to do it or yeah. whatever. And let's be clear on that. Like I never looked in the mirror and said, oh, you're so beautiful. I've never <laughs> right, thought right, that. Right, I've never right. thought that. But I, I grew up, my, my dad was, um, I always say my dad, did the job that I got paid to do for free. And he was kind of like the rec director of our mm -hmm. small area. And so every Saturday we just got in the car and we played softball or soccer or ran track or did whatever sports yep. were, you know, lent themselves because they were inexpensive and my dad was leading most of them. And yep. so I think sports um, actually gave me a lot of self-confidence to just, because then I got to high school and I was like, I don't want to play um, soccer or softball. I think I'll try out for the field hockey and lacrosse team. Cool. And I had like never owned that equipment and right. I just went out for the team. So that kind of just like tenacity to just be like, 
well, what's going to happen except right. that I'll get cut and then who cares? Because, <laughs> you know, because <laughs> it's okay. I'm just trying I'm just it out. Trying anyway. things, yeah. You're you not know? like so invested in succeeding in one thing and right. being an expert in that one thing that you're broken if you yeah. don't make the team or whatever. That's a really cool um, perspective. And I can see even just learning that about you, um, how that's translated into your professional world and just some of the other other ways that I know you. So that's going to be fun to unpack as we go. Well, and I'll kind of <laughs> say that I I um, actually look for that when I'm hiring young younger employees now because it's not so much about what you're an expert about. At. I mean, my job doesn't really lend itself to brain surgery or right. things that are very hyper focused take a lot of skill set. So I look more towards like, are you willing to learn? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to work hard? Do you have the desire? Do you have the drive? Because truly like we can get by on that pretty well. In, in a lot fact, of things. it's a lost art in so many ways. Yeah. You know, I mean, when I was, when I was going, trying to decide what I wanted to be in college, you know, I was thinking, my original thinking was I have to choose what I'm going to be for the rest of my life. And I have to study that in college because none of my family had ever gone to college. And so I didn't, I had this, my own ideas about what that was. And then I got into college and I'm like, Oh, I don't know if I want to do that for the rest of my life. I don't know if I can see myself doing that for the rest of my life. You know? So I was bouncing around trying all these things and finally just realized, just study what I love and the rest of it's going to play out. And, but I had to have like life experience before I figured that out for myself. And I didn't, I didn't have a network of college educated people to ask until I started working at the university. And so that gave me the opportunity to watch how other people's careers had evolved and, and observe, you know, how they had moved and, and flowed. And so that gave me a lot of confidence in that, in that space. But I love that you took the sports analogy and were just like, Hey, I'm going to try this and I'm going to try this. And I'm a good athlete. Like, you know, you knew you were a good athlete and you knew that you enjoyed whatever. And so you're just going to go for it and see and, what happens. And actually, I'm pretty average at everything that I do. <laughs> but I'm, but, and athletics are a good metaphor because the more you work at it, mm-hmm. the better you get. You're, you know, yep. you, you never, you might not ever become Michael Jordan or, you know, like be on that end of things, but you can definitely see progress in the exactly. journey. Exactly. And that is a really, it's, that's so true of everything, isn't yeah. it? And, and inspiring, going back to your, you know, the younger employees that you look to hire and stuff, inspiring that and empowering them to step into that, I think is so much fun. And you're really good at that because you can't put them in a box and expect them to behave in the way that you just described. You know, you have to give them the opportunity to grow and flourish. And um, that takes a lot of, that's that's a different approach to management and leadership than it is to micromanage and just have, you know, one specific idea about what you want someone to do or be. And then they don't reach that potential because you're not allowing them to figure out and to become what they are meant to, to be. And so I, I love that you look for that. I really hope that I do that. That is the goal because in my field, and it's lucky, um, my people get to be very creative. And so I want to encourage creativity because it helps drive good events and helps with great outcomes. So, um, and then I think it helps, you know, I mean, nobody likes the mundane rinse and repeat kind of days that we have. So you can always grow and scale and change and make things better. So, I know that that's what I love 
about the work that I do. And so I yeah. want I want employees that want that too. And then and then for them to have that opportunity. Yeah. So really let's fun. do this for our listeners who don't know you, and we'll circle back around to how we got here. But let's talk about the work that you do since it's already come up and let's let's add some context to that. So what what is the work that you do? How do you describe it? And um and how did you come to be in this work? Let's go with that. Well, I, th- I think that you and I have a lot in common what you just said about finding your career path in college. I did the exact same thing. So I went into communications thinking, and this is really going to age me, that I would be the next <laughs> Joan London, who was awesome. a television personality reporting the news, <laughs> for those that don't know. And then I quickly found out that I was going to be a beat reporter for a long time reporting on gloom and doom. Mm-hmm. And that was not my lane. And I needed to, I wanted to promote happiness yep. and joy and things like that. And so I got some of the same advice as you do what you love and you'll always love what you do. Yep. And for me, that was sports and health and wellness. So I went into health promotion to promote wellness. And I did that. I worked for the Department of Defense in um, as a trainer um, in their little gym. And then I went on to do corporate wellness. I helped um, run a fitness facility. Um, we owned a sporting goods store. Um, I've done you know, every, a lot of different things, but it's always been the same thread. I came to the city and became the youth and adult sports coordinator, left to work for the Huntsman World Senior Games and promote for them, and then came back in my role now, where I met you about five years ago, and I'm the deputy director over arts and events for the city. So it's kind of like... It took me, you know, it took me a while to get there. I was always on the same kind of pathway. I kept the same focus, but now I'm truly doing what I love to do. And so some big events that the city puts on is the um, St. George Marathon, which is a top 25 nationwide marathon. We're in our 47th year there that I'm proud of. We put on a big regional juried art festival so those are among the biggest but then a whole bunch of community events and then everything that incorporates the arts which I love because St. George is a booming city and we are um, I get to be key in beautifying the downtown and that brings me a lot of joy yeah it's it does and it it is so obvious I mean I don't know that you know you and I had the opportunity when I was working with the city to constantly be throwing around ideas for murals. How do we get more murals? How do we do really cool art all around? And, you know, you would like go out and find grant opportunities to pay for, you know, how do we beautify the electrical boxes or whatever and create a whole program and curate the artists and make it all happen. And, and, and now every time I walk around downtown or I see those around town, I'm like, Oh, Michelle, right on, you know, made that happen. Cause that is, um, those are great examples of the way we can, have an impact from the things that we love, you know, and bring that passion into our, into our work. Definitely. And just on the mural side of things, it was such a new concept. And I remember having to defend it and they were like, well, you know, the city can't fund all these projects. And I'm like, no, you just have to fund one and then it's going to spread. And now I love seeing that. Like there is a local businessman in town that just put the most gorgeous mural on his building. And I see other um, corporations not putting billboards of their 
of their... Um, yeah, they're not signs. They're not signs. They are murals yeah. and they are beautifying. And so to see that kind of come to fruition mm-hmm. and then spread is very joyful. It is very so gratifying. joyful. And, and to have, you know, have the murals that we have on our two main city art buildings um, is that really was, I mean, especially the one on the art museum that really spurred it. And got it. Was that the first one? Is that the that one that got it going? That was the first one because we, you know, we have this wonderful art museum. Yeah. And I kept getting from people like, now where is the St. George Art Museum? And I was like, <laughs> it was like the big brick wall. We need the a big landmark. Stucco wall. Yeah, yeah. So people won't ask that anymore and they'll come through the doors. And so that was a great, it was fun great. Project. And what a fun collaboration to do around Doc Utah and all of that. Yeah. Yeah. And so to, to, have a community arts department within the city is really wonderful because we can work with all these different organizations and perpetuate the arts. Mm -hmm. So truly the city takes a very small role except in um, advocating and assisting and trying to help perpetuate all these small businesses that want to thrive here. Exactly. Exactly. And our I mean, art as a business is something, you know, Canab's been incubating that for a long time and it's such a big deal in St. George. Um, Art is. And so to have that curated focus on public art that the city doesn't necessarily said pay for, but it's available for the public to enjoy. Um, And then also the incubation of those artists and those businesses that are promoting it and want to move into that space. Like that is where kind of small town economic development thrives is in, in those spaces. And I, that was my favorite part about working with the city too, was getting to help that, help everybody else do what they want to do. Absolutely. And then seeing the town beautified. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, these art projects started way before me, but it is neat to see, especially a small city grow into kind of their personality. Mm -hmm. And when that personality is um, a beautiful space, then that's very rewarding. Yeah, absolutely. And it is. I was listening to some of my friends who live in Kanta earlier this week, and they were talking about how much they love downtown St. George and how much they love walking around and all the art and all the murals and just how much it's, you know, they're like, we love to go down there like often because it changes. And all of a sudden there'll be a, you know, a really cool piece of art that wasn't here before. And we talked about art around the corner and all those different things. And so it is this really amazing part of our culture here that we want to build on and continue to support and, and develop. Yeah, and that beautification of the downtown you had a lot to do with. So now that that's mixed with great restaurants to stop at and a reason to be there after dark is just really what you want a downtown space to look and feel like. Exactly, and it's just going to keep getting better. I agree. I totally am excited for that. I have a thousand ideas. (laughs) Well, and you know, it's really fun now because I went downtown this week as, as a tourist, right? Not looking through my city lens, but just there as a visitor. And it was interesting. It was completely different. I could not do that when I worked at the city or for the city. I couldn't see it through that lens. And now that I can, I'm like, ooh, I have a whole bunch of ideas to share with you. Oh, great. Because it was it was fascinating to realize that, you know, just how distinct in such a short period of time my perception became mm-hmm. when I was learning about things or seeing things through that city lens. And it was still really meaningful and impactful, but I didn't realize how much I had maybe set aside unintentionally 
my ability, even though I was really trying to keep it intentional, but my ability to see things purely through a visitor lens. And if I'm trying to do it intentionally, you know, how, <clears throat> how easy is it for that not to happen? For you, for you to lose that aspect, and so I love that you do it intentionally too. So that's interesting that you say that because um, when we first moved here, I didn't want to get straight dropped back into full time work, so I took a little time and I became a hiking guide <gasps> oh, for one of the local that. resorts. Yes, and I did it primarily selfishly to learn the beauty of our backyard. Mm-hmm. But just what you said is so true. I still love taking. I call them virgin eyes <laughs> out in our desert because they see things, you know, we kind of get blinders on. We kind of think, oh, we know it's pretty, but we don't see the magnitude of it. And when we take people from out of state or things like that, they're they're just blown away and you can see it again through virgin eyes. Yeah. And I love that. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's so important. And it's so important for us to do in our work. Yeah. You know, it's one of the areas that I've always felt really... Um, grateful for and really lucky that I've been able to kind of keep one foot in and one foot out, you know, in terms of the organizations. When I worked at the university, I was, it's always been in this really um, internally focused and public focused way. And so I would become this liaison, you know, how do you navigate this system? How do you navigate, how do you work within the university system as an outsider and try to get things done? How do you do that with the state government, local government? And it is, it is something that is really, really important to continue to remember that just because we work for a specific organization, especially a government organization that's there to serve, you can't lose sight of who you're serving. And that's one of the pieces I think that I love about the arts in St. George is that connection with all of our artists and with our small businesses and stuff is so intentionally cultivated by you and your department. I love I love that you um, pointed that out because I've been thinking about that a lot. And as a staff, we recently read the book for the love of cities, and I really feel um, like there's this element that I'm so blessed to be paid to serve my community because truly that element above you know just kind of being in the lane that I feel comfortable with, that element is what I find the most joy in. Yeah. I mean, I want to I wanna continue in whatever work I do in the future to stay proximate, to stay involved with people, and to have that service component. You know, it's it's a bonus that I get paid for it, but truly, and, and you know, there's a grind to the work that yep. we do, you know, um, but I want to keep that um, focus of, I, you know, I love what I do because I get to bring joy to my community. Yeah. And we're only here because of the community. Right. You know, and that part of it is, is also humbling and fun and and really does feel that work with joy. Well, that wraps this episode of the Power Lane Podcast. Thank you for joining us. Follow us on socials at Power Lane Podcast and subscribe wherever you listen and tune in each week to gain more insight and tools for your power lane journey. Thank you.